Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the main event. You back with me, Dan? And Aaron. Aaron, I tell you what else is back. In the words of Andrew Gundling, UCL is back for more. Are you ready for it? <laughs> it is, and I'm very excited for it. I, uh, although this research has kind of intimidated me, looking into 32 teams compared to last year when we came in halfway through the season and we only had to research 16. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited for some of these teams to be kicked out. Yeah, this feels <laughs> a bit more like um, like season one, version 2.0 than season two after just starting halfway through the first season thinking, we're doing all right at this, capitalize. Yeah. Um, so yeah, um, just so anyone who's uh, looking to follow us now, um, me and Aaron fluked basically last season, did all right. I finished within the top uh, 0.8%. I cannot remember what the actual finish was. A, because I don't quite care enough. And B, it seems to delete your history. Like it tells me the points that I got last year on the hub, but it doesn't tell me what position I finished unless it does and I can't see it. So someone get at us at UCL Fantasy Pod on Twitter. Let me know how much of an idiot I'm being, please. Uh, and Aaron, you finished just outside the top 1%, yeah? Yeah, because I only fielded <laughs> seven players for the final. <laughs> excuses, excuses. Yeah, so that was our first season. <clears throat> Um, we don't claim to know anything, uh, so don't don't believe just everything that we say. Um, and our goal over the next two podcasts is basically we're going to do a group preview. So today's Group A. We're going to go through the four teams in the group. We're just going to go through what's been going on with those clubs, transfers, injuries, their current form. But most importantly, we're going to go through who's playing for each of these teams so that we can make some informed decisions, maybe find some bargains, maybe not get stitched up. And um, at the end of each sort of, of team, we'll have a little look through who we might suggest at a price point, and then we'll give our predictions that inevitably won't come true for who we think is going to go through from each of the groups. So first up is Atletico Madrid, Aaron. Yep, Atletico Madrid. They're having a very modest start, to the league. I mean, Atletico Madrid, you expect them to be a very defensive team. Nothing's changed over the season, uh, over the summer, especially you would like some people expect them to change whenever they make an attack and transfer. Last year, they got rid of Griezmann and signed Jao Felix. So people were like, oh, yes, we're getting more attacking, especially when they beat Real Madrid over the summer, that ridiculous scoreline. So they were like, oh, yes, new Atletico Madrid, and nothing changes. And this year, Luis Suarez come in. Uh, they've got rid of Morata. And people were like, oh, yes, we won the first game 6-1. New attack in Atletico Madrid. And then the next two games is nil-nil. So yeah. some things just don't change. And I think that's the type of approach that we need to take looking at Atletico Madrid for fantasy. Their goal is to just get a good league standing in the run-up to Christmas and just make it through the group. They know that on their day, they can beat anyone with how organized and defensively sound they are. So it's important that we don't think that they're going to try and beat Bayern Munich to first place. They'll give Bayern Munich a good run for their money, but they're not going to 
try and dominate the game. They're just going to try and pick up the points in the other two against the other two teams. So it's important, I think, first of all, that we don't try and and temper. I mean, we try and temper expectations in terms of yeah. attacking potential. Um, for Atletico, I guess their players. Um, I've mentioned a little bit about their form. Winning six one is really really good, and it shows the potential that Luis Suarez has in this team. And I think that if they can start to utilize them a bit more and start to develop the the partnerships all up front and start to get used to each other playing, it shows that they do have that potential to just explode at any given moment. But some of the players that I was looking at, and I think that's expected for Atletico Madrid in general, are the defensive players. A lot of them have had price cuts, which I think is really interesting. Um. All of their centre backs are rated four point five. Well, are priced at four point five, and their full backs are five million. So that although Lodi isn't four million like last year, yeah, he was the he was the bargain that we both had in since game week one last year. Four million for a starting Atletico Madrid defender is ridiculous. <laughs> so it's a so, bit sad that we can't get that again. The um the thing that concerns me with with Atletico is the win six one Suarez gets two goals but he comes off the bench to do it to start that game with the very nineties Premier League tactic of big man little man up front Costa Felix because last year Simeone he, he always rotates he's a, he loves rotating his team but he often rotates his system this year he's been quite fixed in a four four two um in with Costa and Felix up front that works really well. And then when Suarez came on to work with Costa, that works really well. The two nil-nils came when Suarez and Felix, who were their two best forwards. The midfield for me is now much weaker that Thomas has gone. We talked about Thomas last year. I think Thomas might be the most underrated central midfielder in world football. He's possibly the best holding midfielder as far as a um, a ball-winning, tough you know, someone that breaks up the play style player, not necessarily, you know, like a deep lying playmaker or something like that, which um, that is not. But in terms of the role that he does, I can't really think of anyone more effective at the moment than him, maybe in Golo Kante, but even so, I think, you know, he's he not had a great start fit. this season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he can't stay fit recently. Um, I think he's probably the best player since Kante doing that. I think Arsenal paying 40 million for him is A, steal, and B, because the trigger is release close, I don't know why they didn't just do that a month mm-hmm. ago. It doesn't really make much sense. Torreira is a good player, but he's not at the standard of Thomas, in my opinion. Uh, but it'll be, I think it'll be really interesting to see how he develops under Simeone because the both aggressive players aren't the like, the, the, I see one and another. Um, I don't think Torreira has the quality of Simeone when Simeone was a player, but it's like that you know, the Carlos Tevez bulldog approach sort of thing. Um, the centre-backs are changing. The only centre-back that started the first three games of the season is Felipe. And Trippier started uh, every game at right-back. Lodi started every game at left-back. So I think if you wanted to go for an Atletico Madrid defender, be super safe with the full-backs. Or if you want to save that 0.5, then 
maybe Felipe is probably the best option out of those. But Thomas has started both of those nil-nils mm-hmm. and now he is not there. Um, other transfers out haven't been too important. Like Enrique left back, Arias at right back. They weren't playing too many games anyway. Kalinic up front. But one of the big things that we need to take into account when we're looking at what's going on at the minute with those sort of centre-back partnerships is that Jimenez tested positive for COVID-19. So he's not been available for the last couple of game weeks anyway. So we don't know how that would affect the team because Jimenez, I think, does slot into the, the position that Felipe fits. It's usually one or the other with them and going with Hermoso or Savic. So I wouldn't mind another game's worth of data if I was to go for Atletico Madrid defenders. Uh, but spoiler alert, I won't be. It's better defenders in the game for me personally. Yeah, I think the only defender for Atletico Madrid I'm interested in is Trippier. I remember last year, and I was saying it on the podcast, is that literally every other game they switched Trippier, Arias, Trippier, Arias, and it just constantly switched back and forth. They've got... Vashalko back. So I'm not sure about whether he'll come. He was injured for a lot of last year. Yeah, he but, was. But Trippier on set pieces, corners, and just with his crossing ability, he's someone who, for five million for a very defensive team, is probably the only one who tempts me. Lodi picked up a lot of yeah. yellow cards last year. Trippier seems not that he's a better defender. I think a lot of, especially people who are followed Tottenham, question his defensive ability, but he has improved a lot under Simeone. And so I think yeah. for 5 million, if you look at other 5 million players, you kind of get what you pay for, but he just has a bigger upside. He has a bigger ceiling than yeah. a lot of other people. I thought he was excellent for Tottenham, except for that you had one season where he actually, to be fair, for the first six games of that season, he was the best defender in the league and he, you know, from a FPL point of view, he was getting assists and goals and then he just fell off a cliff. Yeah. I'm not entirely sure what happened because it was, you just had a blinding World Cup for England as well. Um, but between the two of Trippier and uh, Lodi, Trippier is a no-brainer. Set pieces, consistent performer. Lodi was excellent last year because he was 4 million. Mm-hmm. To get a 4 million player that starts every week, first of all, is good enough when you're allowed to rotate your team. Because you can have a punt, and if it doesn't quite work out, providing they don't get sent off, you can change that team. So the game is very forgiving in that way. So that was Felipe, uh, keep on saying Felipe, Lodi's appeal from last season. Because I'm sure in the group stages, he maybe got one assist, um, and then obviously got a couple of clean sheets. Do I want that for 5 million? Not particularly. For 4 million give yes please all day long so I think if you if you got a toss up between Lodi and Trippier for me personally now that we've said this Lodi will get the first assist for Atletico Madrid of the Champions League um, but I think over the course of the group stage I do think Trippier is probably a better option and has a as you say a much bigger upside and at the same price it's a no brainer um, is there anyone else in that team that you would have a punt on at all Saul is an interesting player because he kind of scores in bunches. Like against Liverpool, like he scored in both legs. And 
but then he'll disappear. And, and he's someone who's never really highly owned. So he, he is always a differential. But when I had brought him in last year for the knockout tournament and I, they got a penalty, Jao Felix then took it. So yeah. it, he's not someone I would bank on, but I think he is a, a, a cheaper penalty option at 7.5. I was just about uh, to look. That's what I was looking for, how much he costs. Yeah, he's never highly owned, but I think Koke is even cheaper, which is rare, especially because when he, when depending on the type of opponent that he plays, Koke sometimes plays as a left winger and, or even on the wings, like he's the more attacking out of the two. So for 7 million as well, it's just whether you look at their fixtures in the group stage and think, is there points here? You know that Atletico Madrid midfielders are going to get ball recovery points, which is something that if you're not used to the game, uh, you get rewarded for defensive displays, unlike FPL and other things where it just focuses on the goals. Like they're going to get the defensive points because they're a very defensive team. But when they score, you kind of regret not having them in your team because it's going to come all at once. And it's just kind of whether you weigh up the risk and the rest of the group is very attacking. And there's the, the potential there for for that. Yeah, I think between Koke and Saul, I think Saul's the better pick. Koke, when he plays on the right, is usually against a tougher opponent. And what happens is they allow Carrasco, whoever else is playing on the left wing, to push forward. And they tighten up to make a midfield three that's really compact so that they can't be hit on the break. Um, so, yeah, he might get a couple of ball recovery points as well. But with Sal having the upside of potentially taking penalties when we don't know how much Felix is going to play because, yeah, at the minute, Felix Suarez is the combination. But I do think Felix Costa with Suarez coming off the bench or Suarez Costa with Felix coming off the bench is a better option. Between Felix and Suarez... Because I wouldn't have Costa, personally. Felix at 9 million seems more appealing to me, personally. Um, But I'll be honest, I think I'm going to avoid Atletico Madrid um, players. I don't think they've had the best start of the season. When you look at the nil-nils, they've not played, you know, who we'd consider a, a great team. And don't get me wrong, with how crazy the start of the season's been, there are some teams that would... Love two nil nils right now mm-hmm. for for their stature, and yeah, they've won six one. But sometimes you get games like that where teams just down tools. It could have been three nil, but they've went ah, oh, we're getting hammered. Yeah, I can't be bothered. And then you know Suarez coming off the bench and smashing in two. Um, maybe it's it's food for thought. Really, it's entirely everyone's preference. Atletico will probably come to bite us on the backside because we do this every year where we think, oh, they, they can't do this. They can't sustain this. Or, you know, they've not had a great start and then they just come and wind us all up with clean sheets. Um, yeah. That being year. said, I just, for their price points, I think Philippe is the one that I'd I'd lean most into for me personally. And I'm not too bothered about their attacking, their attacking assets. Uh, we'll move on to Bayern Munich. So we're not here all day on Atletico Madrid. Uh, for anyone wondering, we are just going through each team in the group by alphabetical order. 
So Bayern have had um, a pretty quiet transfer window, but it seems that the players that have moved are quite big. They have had a few sort of youth players go, um, some upcoming talents, but if they're not really playing anyway, then it doesn't didn't really matter. But obviously they've lost Thiago to Liverpool. Perisic has went back to uh, Inter Milan. Coutinho has went back to Barcelona. Audrey Zola has went back to Real Madrid. And they've gotten two wingers in Douglas Costa and a little-known guy called Leroy Sané. Um, Sané has been injured uh, since the end of September. He had a, a tear in his joint. So he'll be coming back, hopefully, by um, by the start of the competition. Uh, Coleman's also had a muscle issue, but he should be. He, I think he's back now, to be fair. I think he um, was declared fit a couple of days ago. They've had um, another sporadic start to the season, winning 8 0. Then I'm saying they drew 1 1 with Sevilla. They did win 2 1 after extra time, but in 90 minutes, they drew 1 1. Um, they then lost 4 1 rather unceremoniously, but they're back with two wins. Uh, not the most convincing, 3-2 and 4-3. So looking at it, Bayern Munich defenders, you should be wary of them. There is one that I do want to talk about. Um, they've also been jumping around with the centre-back partnerships because it seems to be Sula and Boatang swapping places each game. I'd bang on Sula starting because Botang was a defender in the 4-1 loss. And also Sula started in the Super Cup against Sevilla. So if we go off that, I think it's more likely that Sula would be a starting defender than Botang. And also we've seen Botang's um, sort of injury history over the last year or so. Um, he's really struggling for fitness. Alaba has had, quite frankly, a dreadful restart and start of the season. Um, I think he's better than what he's showing, but at the minute, he's not been very good. He's been a bit of a liability. We saw that in the Champions League for the restart. We saw the own goal against Barcelona, and anyone can score an own goal, but his general performance was pretty bad anyway. Um, and that role should suit him playing the high line because he's really quick, um, and he's not really forced to rely on his defensive positioning within the centre-back form because he started off as a left winger. He played central attack in midfield for his country. Then he gets moved back to left back while still playing calm for his country. And now he's a centre back. So I appreciate that's not his position, but that still doesn't make me feel any better about him as a fantasy asset. Hernandez has been jumping in between centre back and left back. Um, Davies has played three of the last four games though, whether that be left back or left wing. But the big one for me is um, Joshua Kimmich. So he's played every game, but he's a defender on the game again at 6.5 million. However, he's not played defence once. So Kimmich has played holding midfield a couple of times. He scored from holding midfield, but he's also played as a central attack in midfield and a 3-2 win, and he scored there as well. So if you're looking for a premium centre-back, I think there's two outstanding choices and one of them is Joshua Kimmich because he's just not playing in defence. And I love a player that is listed as, as a defender, might get clean sheet points, but ultimately is playing midfield to get all the other points anyway. 
And would I pay six and a half million for Kimmich if, if he was listed as a midfielder? Maybe. So why not as a defender? I appreciate with the amount of goals they're shipping, that might be a bit of a risk. But I think when you look at the teams that they've got in the group, I don't think they're as likely to concede as many goals. And obviously against Sevilla, who are a really good team where maybe concentration levels were a bit higher, we saw that they didn't concede a lot of goals. In Sevilla, I think, I think if Sevilla were in this group, they'd be, they'd be a better match than the other three teams at the moment for start of season form and the form at the end of last season. So it's still good to go with Bayern. Um, Pavard's played right back for three of the last four games, but Richard started the last game at right back and got two assists. Uh, so that's pretty interesting. I don't know whether it's worth a punt personally, but it's 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 something that people may want to consider if he's cheaper and they want to take the risk for the upside knowing that they can just transfer him out or substitute him out, sorry. Uh, it's been a quiet start for Lewandowski. He has scored four goals in four games, but all four came in one game. Uh, he'd blanked the first three games, although he actually didn't even start the second game where they lost 4-1. So probably a bit harsh. He's actually got 4-3 then, looking at it that way. Um, and he got the assist against Sevilla. He scored a few goals again that have been ruled off for offside. He's still probably the best striker in the world. So anyone that says don't go Lewandowski, I wouldn't believe. As it happens, he's not in my draft, but that's because you can't have everyone. I think, um, like I say, though, looking at those players, for me, Kimmich is the real standout. Nabry is someone that we all had last year. Or did you not have a Marin? Uh, kind of in and out of my team. Yeah. The, um, he's not really had a good start of the season. I think his performances have been fine. Um. For my f- sort of form that I've looked at, I've not looked at the 8-0 will I'm win. Sorry, I'm just talking about the last four games. Um, so I think everyone scored in that 8-0 win, to be honest. Um, but for the last four games is what I'm looking at here. Uh, he's not had a return, a goal or an assist. So maybe something to think about. But again... Buying one of those players where if you don't have some of them in, they are going to punish you. And ultimately, it comes down to price points. The annoying thing is you can't have everyone. And I just think this is one of the more difficult groups, personally. So yeah, it's agree. a bit tough. Is there anyone that, anything that you've noticed? For Bayern Munich, I think Sane is tempting because he's cheaper than Nabri. It's just whether he'll. I mean, he's definitely an upgrade on on Perisic and yeah. what they had last year. So, and they used him a lot during the Champions League. I think that was just because of Coleman's injury, though. So, I just think it's pretty brutal because you could have someone not playing often and then come off the bench for ten minutes and score two goals. Like it's yeah. it's this Bayern Munich team. Just tortures, tortures teams. I think something that is interesting as well <clears throat> is that Muller is listed as a midfielder this year when last year he was listed as a forward. And so, but 10 million is a lot when you'd rather probably go for Nabry. Yeah, I think when we're getting to some of the other groups, 
there are a few out of position players, some good, and there's one in particular that I won't ruin now that's got my blood boiling that is listed as a forward and not a midfielder. That's a joke. Um, but Muller's a good example of of the other way around. And I would never bet against him. Obviously, he's a really hard worker. He's someone that can get interception points or recovery points. Um, but because he does play in an attacking position, he can get goals. He's got uh, one goal and two assists in the last four games, which makes him one of their most informed players. Um, Davies, Davies has had a weird start the season. Um, we talked about it at the end of last season that we disagree with most of the planet that think he's the best left back in the world. He's not. He's a really good left back for his age. And there is no doubt in my mind that one day he will be the best left back in the world, providing, you know, he stays injury free and he keeps on getting cautious at such a high level. No doubt whatsoever. I'm not slagging the lad off. I think but he's how... just not like he's had a that that four one game. He was really, really bad. He had he didn't have a good final nerves. Um, I imagine I can't imagine how nervous it must be playing in a Champions League final. Um, and like I think as well, bad, like but... with with how dominant Bayern Munich are, if you put probably a current Marcelo in that team, he would Marcelo would people would be like, oh, he's back to his best, but that's just because he doesn't have to defend. Like he doesn't have to defend as much, sorry. Yeah. As he would for Real Madrid. And I think Alfonso Davies is so fast that it kind of makes up for his positioning at times. I think if you put a better left back like Robertson in this team, what how good would Robertson be? I think oh, it's unbelievable. Just... Yeah, it seems everything that Davies does is a recovery tackle or like a mazy run forward. But then Sometimes he's too quick. Like when you've got Lewandowski and Muller up front, he gets beyond them and then he's in the box and he's sometimes alone because yeah. he's, he's too quick for his own team. Uh, what I will say is unbelievably entertaining to watch mm-hmm. for both reasons. Like when you, it's a bit like Roberto Carlos. I think everyone, like Roberto Carlos is one of my favorite players of all time. Um, my first non-Newcastle strip was a Real Madrid strip with Roberto Carlos on the back. Um, and so like it's easy to look at players like that through rose tinted glasses but Roberto Carlos was a really bad defender but that's not why you watched him or liked him it was because he'd go on crazy runs and put amazing balls into the box and take 55 yard strikes or have worldy free kicks that, that could smash a man in the face in the wall or bend on the outside of the post and go in and although Davies isn't that kind of player like in terms of like technically gifted. You know, the fact that he gets caught out defensively is exciting one way, but him driving at defences and taking people on borderline, taking the mick out of people is really, really entertaining to watch. So I'm looking forward to the Bayern Munich games. I'm not looking forward to seeing who scores when I don't have them in my team. I think talking to you, Sani and Muller are definitely going to be added to the Kimmich watch as well. Mm-hmm. Would for all these games and all these teams, we do have another game to watch, so it'll be interesting to see what happens there. The only problem is with some of the big teams is obviously rotation a lot of the time. But as you say, you know, even if a player comes on, 
gets 10 minutes and you think, well, they could do a Mares last game of the season, come on and get a couple of goals. But if they don't, and the risk is on that first match day, um, on the Tuesday, and it doesn't come off, then obviously you have a, a substitute waiting to happen. It is a lot of money to have ploughed into a player that doesn't play though sometimes. But I think Sane is likely to start. I think their best team does revolve around Sane, Nabry, Lewandowski and Muller. So, yeah, definitely. If it doesn't work, then I, I still think we've got to go with our best guesses. On a locomotive Moscow, Aaron? Yeah. So... The Russian league, for those who don't know, have started their season a lot earlier than a lot of other leagues. And so they're already 10 matches in to their season. So there's a lot more data to be able to look at who's starting regularly and who is not. I think, but the main reason you're not really coming to this video to look at how is this team doing in the Russian league, you're looking to see how will this team do in this group. Something that I've noticed is that they are very defensively sound. So I don't think any team except Bayern Munich have the potential to roll this team over. I think these are going to be low scoring games. All of yeah. their defenders are 4.5. I probably wouldn't get any of them. Uh, however, someone that does tickle my fancy is uh, for the midfield. Um, Miranchuk. Is it Moranchuk? Sorry, I'm just getting the name up. It came off the... <clears throat> yeah, it is. Um, yeah. Moranchuk, he is the penalty taker. Six million. So you're probably looking to fill that kind of six million spot with a defensive midfielder. And for a defensive, another defensively sound team... Moranchuk has the upside of being the penalty taker and currently selected by 0%. That's probably because people haven't done their teams. Um, but Whatever heard of them in their lives. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and for similar players, you're looking at, like, I think Jorginho is 6 million. Kante is 5.5. You're looking at people in, like, that calibre who are, like, there's not many, you're looking for a defensive midfielder who all they do is defend. And he is a attacking midfielder who takes penalties. So if local Moscow do something, he has the potential to get points. He's kind of a better punt than defensive mids around that yeah. area. So that's something that I was noticing with them. And just something to highlight as well. They have faced the other teams that are in the Champions League from that area. So they've faced Zenit twice. Uh, they lost one in the Super Cup final. I'm not sure how much yeah, the Super Cup... I'm not sure how big the Super Cup is in Russia. I know different countries play yeah. different priority on the Super Cup. Um, in England, it doesn't mean anything. Um, yeah. But in Germany, because it's usually... Bayern versus Dortmund or Bayern versus somebody, but yeah. generally Dortmund. It's yeah, quite big. So, um, but they've also faced Krasnodar. Krasnodar. Don't know how to pronounce yeah. it, but I'm learning. Uh, and they <laughs> beat them 1-0. And 
So out of them, three games facing Champions League, other Champions League opposition, they've conceded two goals, uh, all in the one game, which was the first competitive game of the season. Other than that, they kept clean sheets. And so I think that just shows you what this team is about. Very organised. They're currently fifth in the league. Yeah. Um, but their current form is quite good. They've won three and drawn two and kept four clean sheets. So yeah, it's something that this team, is, I would temper your expectations. I wouldn't, unless Lewandowski's playing on the first day, I wouldn't captain him. Well, sorry, Lewandowski is a bad example because at any moment he can score. But I wouldn't captain, say, Jao Felix or someone else facing yeah. Moscow expecting a rollover because I don't think that's what this team is about. Yeah, I agree. Looking at their team as well, it's really easy on the on the gaming hub if you do want to look at their players. If you look at the defenders, if they're four and a half million and the goalkeeper, they've started the last uh, the last four games. So that's um, God. Here we go with some of these uh, pronunciations. Zivogliadov, uh, Choluka, Chiquera, and Rebus or Ribus. Not entirely sure which one it is. They've all started. Um, in terms of attacking returns, Choluka got an assist in the last game. Miranchuk, who you're talking about being the penalty taker, has three assists in his last three games. It's six million. Um. But also a little find here is uh, Ignatiev. So he has played the last two or three games, I think the last two games, but he got a goal in his last game. He's a midfielder on the game and he's four and a half million. So we all need a four and a half million midfielder generally. Depends on what system you're playing. But it does work out to have a four and a half million midfielder. I think last year it was... um, Was it Luka Toussaint? Was he he the Mm -hmm. four and a half million that like got a couple of goals and, but mainly it was, he got like four points every game from getting six ball recoveries or seven ball recoveries. Uh, Ignatiev in a, in a group where he's probably going to get a lot of ball recoveries against Bayern Munich. I think that might, that could be a bit of a hammering, but he's not going to lose any points because he's not a defender. I'd, I'd personally go for him over the defenders because I don't think they are going to keep too many clean sheets. I just don't think they're going to get absolutely battered, as you say. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd go for him or Moranchuk if you want a higher ceiling and you've got a little bit more budget. The only other player that's worth considering is Smolov, but it's 7 million. I think Depends with on forwards the, as the well. Mm-hmm. With the forwards as well. There's probably better forwards around that price yeah. range. And 100%. I don't think he's going to score too many in this group. Um, they've only got one major injury in uh, Baranov. Uh, he's done in his ACL. He's out till the end of Feb, beginning of March. Um, and also, just for if you want to listen to future podcasts, there is another Moran Chuck who got sold to Atlanta who might get mentioned on that podcast. Uh, don't get confused. He's not been sold. I've I'm guessing it's his brother. Why not? Although Moranchuk might just be Smith in Russian. Uh, <laughs> in the brought in Zilouis from Porto. Um, so that might threaten Smolov's position, but Smolov has got two goals in his last four games. Um, picked up a minor injury. Uh, two games going a 1-0 win, which is why he didn't play in the 2-1 win afterwards. The tend to play a 4-4-2. Pretty fixed. Um, 
Yeah, I'd go with uh, Ignatiev if you wanted a bit of a, a bit of a punt at four and a half million, or uh, Maranchuk at six for mm-hmm. me. Um, on to the last team, uh, Salzburg, who I'm a little wary of just because they've sold their absolute dream forward line, unfortunately, of obviously Haaland and um, Minamino in January, and they've sold Juan to Leipzig. It's a bit of a shame. Major, like The most major transfer in is Soleil, which is centre-back from Lyon, which doesn't really solve the issue. Uh, that being said, they do have some really interesting prospects. No shock to see them top of the Austrian Bundesliga. Uh, in their last six games, they've won 10 0, 3 1, 4 1, 2 1, 3 1, 3 1, 7 1. Is that six games or seven games? Whatever it is, the smashing teams. Um, but I think so. What we'll do is I'll quickly go through familiarities of the last four games what's sort of been going on. But also within those last four games, there have been two Champions League qualifiers, which I think is probably going to give us a better indication of their team because, you know, no disrespect to the Austrian Bundesliga, I don't think Salzburg really need to prioritise that opposed to the Champions League. I don't think it's particularly competitive. Um so Stankovic is their starting goalkeeper. Uh, Valci's played the last three games at right back. They've swapped um, one of the centre-backs between Romaglio and Ongwene. Uh, Ongwene is four million. Might be a trap because he has played two of the last four games, but they were both in the Austrian Bundesliga and not in the in the Champions League qualifiers. Romaglio played those. Uh, Warber has played the last four games. Ulmer's played the last four games. Um, and then they tend to mix it up. They, they've used three different formations in the last four games, between a 4-4-2, a 4-2-2-2, and a 4-2-3-1, and then back to a 4-2-2-2. So they're not overly consistent, which makes me think I'm not overly keen on plowing into random players. Um. Soboslai, a midfielder, is their penalty taker by the looks of it, um, providing Okafor's not on the pitch. They seem to have taken the last two penalties. Um, but outside of a penalty goal and a 2-1 win, he has also scored another penalty in a 3-1 win and he got two assists and a 7-1 win. So he's got um, he's been doing really well. Two goals in the Champions League qualifier so far. Uh, he's 7 million as a midfielder. So that that's risky. There, I think there are other options that are better, but if you want to go, if you think Salzburg are a really attacking team and you think they can do some damage, then he is a player to look at because he might assist the forwards. As far as the forwards go, um, Daka has played three of the last four games, although not always up front. That being said, in his last two games, he's got four goals and an assist. Um, two of those goals came in a 3-1 Champions League qualifier, the second leg, and a 3-1 win there. Um, Barisha had played up front for a couple of games, got a couple of goals. Um, 
but they came the Austrian league. Ulmer looks like he might be a little bit of a shout just because he's played every game at fullback and in the last four games, he's got a goal and an assist. Again, they came in the Austrian Bundesliga and not that Champions League game. It's a bit harsh saying, oh, he didn't score in a Champions League game, so don't get him. It's just obviously so everyone's aware so that the it's their decision at the end of the day. Um, but Dakar, 11 goals in seven games so far. It's seven and a half million. Again, if that fits the structure of your team and that fits your budget, then roll with it. Personally, I think there's another player in a different group at eight and a half who I'd prefer to stick in and lower a midfielder to as low as possible and look to get a four million pound defender. There is a four million pound defender who I am going with, who I feel confident with from another group. So it all depends on, do you think Salzburg A, are going to be able to replicate last season and their goal scoring form because they do have a super talented manager or do you think that it's just not as likely because it did just so happen that they had three unbelievably talented players? But again, do you think you know? Do you think Dakar can fill those shoes? Um, everyone around him seems to be in and out. Keiter is the other sort of starting player. He started three of the last four games. Um, you got two goals in his last game and a seven-one win in the Austrian Bundesliga. So they're the ones to look at, really. Um, I put Nguene in my team at 4000000 million. I'll probably be taking him out because I just don't think as a centre-back he's going to play. The most important thing for me, this isn't like FPL where you can have a £4 million player and think, oh, well, they're not going to play, it's fine. Um, the game benefits having 15 playing players. Now, obviously, you have to work out risk versus reward in terms of how expensive do you want to go versus, you know, for one player versus spreading out the funds. I'm a mic. Um, so that's a decision you have to make. But when you can have, especially with how crazy the season started, you know, if you pick Trent, it's six and a half on this game and he gets a minus two for conceding seven goals again. Do you not want a four million pound defender that yeah might lose two nil and gets a one pointer, but that is going to play that you can substitute in? Um, I'd I'd personally rather have that. Or again, if a, there's going to be a four million pound defender who's playing on the Tuesday night, provide like I can't be playing people on the you know thinking oh they might get a red card if they don't have a history of getting red cards. It's not the way to play the game. So I'd put them in, and if they do concede a few, I can take them out. If they have, you know, a surprise shock result, then you're getting differential points that other people aren't getting. So, yeah, bit of a tough one. There's um, Warbert at four and a half million centre back. He's played every game for the last four games, including the two Champions League games. If you want a safe bet, rule with him. I don't think there's much of an upside to that. If I'm going for a player like that, I prefer the four mils. If I'm going four and a half, you'd much... Pr- All the Atletico Madrid defenders are four and a half million for the centre-backs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you can solve that rotation risk, go one of those. Yeah, and and what we're saying is we're not saying that maybe like Dakar is, is a bad player or 
that we're discrediting a lot of goals because it's in the the Aust- Austrian Bundesliga. We're just presenting the facts so that you don't have to do the research, really. And, yeah. and what you choose to do with, with them facts is it's up to you. <laughs> but we're just yeah, here if- to help help you and maybe do some of that research for you on the teams that you don't know much about. So if um honestly if Daka starts banging them in, I'll applaud anyone that's put them in because that's really brave. And I think you know people that have a punt, I think that does like I think bravery deserves merit. So if you get them in and you're like, no, I fancy this, I fancy Salzburg, I fancy the way they play, I just look You've, but you've also got to look at the group that they're in. And it's a decision that everyone has to feel comfortable with within themselves is you've got two attacking teams in this group, Salzburg and Bayern Munich. And you've got two defensive teams in this group in Lokomotiv Moscow and uh, Atletico Madrid. So you've got to go in your mind, do the attacking teams have the tools to break down the defensive teams? Um. And only you can feel comfortable with what you think's going to happen in those games. So it's not up to us to tell you. We can just say what they've done. Um, so for me, I think this is one of the hardest groups to predict because of the nature of it and the nature of the starts. But that being said, let's give a prediction, Aaron. So you can put your... Do you want, do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? I'll go first. I think Bayern Munich finished top, Atletico Madrid second, Salzburg finished third, and local Moscow fourth. But I don't think it's going to be. I don't think it's going to be much in it. I think Salzburg and local Moscow could switch easily. Um, and such a dullard, maybe... such a dullard answer. That's not what the people want. Aaron want controversy. And I think Salzburg could catch Atletico Madrid depending on. Because I think Atletico Madrid really, really, really run the risk of going to Moscow and Simeone being like, we cannot lose this game and it's a nil-nil and Salzburg go to Moscow and win. I think that's it could you've come down to that. Most, you've given the most Martin Keown answer possible there of, what do you think the score is going to be, Martin? Well, you know, the, I think they're going to win the game, but if this happens, then they could very well lose the game. So I'm going to go with the draw. <laughs> I'm well, going no, just for... they run the risk of it uh, because the teams that Atletico Madrid drew against they should have beat and you would think with the difference in funding Atletico Madrid should beat Loco Moscow but with how defensive the two teams are there's a huge risk that it's a nil-nil um, and yeah. Salzburg kind of with their just fearless mentality they're just going to go and attack local Moscow in Russia. And, and I think that's going to where it's going to come down to it is who can get the points in Russia between them two. So that's my prediction. Yeah. I'm going to stick me neck on the line. I do think Bayern will finish top. I'm going to go Salzburg second, Atletico Madrid third. And uh, yeah, sorry, local Moscow, Moscow, but I think last, I just think um, Moscow, it, it's probably much easier to be okay defensively in the Russian league um, because I don't think a lot of Russian teams have the tools to 
break them down. I think the teams that they're going up against will have the tools to break them down. Uh, I think Bayern are too good offensively. And again, I don't think some of the I don't think uh, some of the teams in this group have what it takes to score a couple against them either. Um, and I think a lot of it might come down, as you say, Salzburg versus Atletico Madrid. And I think from what we saw from lockdown or, or post lockdown last season, I don't see why Salzburg can't can't do it against Atletico Madrid. Do what Leipzig did. Um, so yeah, I'm happy to stick me my neck out and and say that. Also, I think Atletico Madrid will have a harder time against Moscow because it's two defensive teams. That being said, I do think they'll win because I just think the quality of Felix and Suarez just. And we, I mean, we talked about it on the last podcast. Whoever's idea it was to put Costa and Suarez in the same team is a naughty, naughty person. Uh, and I just can't wait for them to kick off. I like I, I do want Atletico to go through because against the bigger teams, oh, I just want to see them scrap people. I just want to see them fighting with everyone. <laughs> It'd be absolutely glorious. Just yeah, that's that's what I want to see. So, but I, at the same time, it's nice to get other teams go through. It, it does get a bit boring seeing, you know, out of sixteen teams, it's usually like the same twelve, and then you get like four others by virtue of the group they were in. Um, I'd like to see Salzburg. I'd like to see an Austrian team represented in the last sixteen. So yeah, I'll uh, I'd like to see them go through. But we've talked about that enough. We've got um, plenty of other podcasts to come. So the next podcast is going to be on Group B. I'll see you then, Aaron. Take care, everyone.